the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, We're gathered here at 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando, and always delighted when you plug in with us, as is Alan Dempsey, uh, our engineer who gets us on the air each weekend, and Andrew Herdliska produces for us, and uh, Jarrett Stevens joins us from uh, Plano, Texas, teaching pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, where Dr. Jack Graham prevails, and uh, the new book is out. It's called The Mountains Are Calling. <clears throat> Jarrett, uh, so nice of you to join me. How are you? Pat, thanks so much for having me on. I've admired you and your leadership uh, for a long, long time from a distance, and so it's just good to talk with you. Thanks for having me on today. The Mountains Are Calling. Thank you very much, Jarrett. Making the Climb for a Clearer View of God and Ourselves. Uh, give me the background on your book, Jarrett. Absolutely. Well, I was flying into uh, Colorado about five years ago, and I was preaching at our summer camp for our high school students. And, you know, a little secret for some of us preachers, when we go on these summer camps, we typically don't write new material. We bring old sermons and uh, kind of do new illustrations with them. But for some reason, Pat, God would not let me uh, go with just regular old sermons. It was just He was just speaking to my heart, bring something fresh to these students. And I grew up in church going to church camps, and camp was always kind of what we refer to as a mountaintop experience for me. And so I just started thinking about that, wanting, here I am flying into the mountains of Colorado, and I'm wanting this to be a mountaintop moment for these kids that week. And it's just like the Spirit of God spoken into my heart and just said, why don't you look at what I did on the mountains in the Bible? And when I started opening the Bible and studying, it just kind of fell open in my lap, and I just couldn't believe everything that I was seeing. And so the book really started, that was the genesis of it. The first, the first mountain I want you to talk about is Mount Moriah, uh, the God who is provider. Uh, fill us in. Well, of course, that's the story of Abraham and uh, taking his son Isaac uh, up Mount Moriah. Of course, God has called him to sacrifice uh, his son, which on the surface, it, how could this happen? The child of promise, uh, the one that uh, God has miraculously provided for Abraham. And uh, Abraham, by faith, the Bible says, uh, marches up Mount Moriah, and of course there he provides a sacrifice uh, for him, a substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac, and uh, it's that ram in the thicket, and that's where, of course, Abraham says, God has provided. And so we learn on that mountain that God is a provider, but really the angle I take with this chapter, Pat, is that there's always a cost to ascending the mountain to meet with God. God wants us to know Him in a deeper way. He wants us to experience Him in greater intimacy, know Him at a deeper level. But if we're going to to do that, it's going to cost us something. Abraham, it cost him to to make that 70-mile, three-day journey up Mount Moriah, and uh, and it's going to cost us if we want to meet with God and grow in Him. And so that's really what that chapter is all about. Now, Jared, fill us in on Mount Sinai, uh, the God who is holy. Yeah. Well, of course, Mount Sinai is where uh, God delivers to Moses the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And the whole uh, scene that we see of Moses going up to the mountain to meet with God is so picturesque and illustrative. I mean, a cloud descends on the mountain representing the very presence of God. The people are commanded not to even come near it, not to touch it. And so on this mountain and in the law of God and in this whole scene, we see the holiness of God. 
And as a result, we see the sinfulness of our own hearts and lives. You know, that's kind of the, the subtitle of the book is Making the Climb for a Clear View of God and Ourselves. And, and this hit home for me uh, being in the mountains uh, a few years ago. We were riding the gondola up uh, the mountain and then coming back down. And my little girls at the time loved to look down at the town we were staying in and say, hey, that's where we're staying, Daddy, and that's where we're going to go get ice cream later, Daddy. And, and the town that we're staying in looks so small from being on top of the mountain. It just changes your perspective. And so that's what these mountains do. And in Mount Sinai, it's just a perspective changer, uh, Pat. Uh, we see the holiness of God. We see our own sinfulness. And uh, the way I talk about it in the chapter is, uh, you know, oftentimes as, as believers, that can discourage us in our walk when we see the holiness of God and we in turn see our own sinfulness. But I uh, try to take a different view of it and say, you know, let that make you run to God because he's the one that offers you mercy and grace, and uh, he's the one that changes you. Don't settle for any uh, kind of seconds uh, when it comes to knowing uh, God intimately. You can know him yourself, and that's kind of what we learn at Mount Sinai. My guest is Dr. Jarrett Stevens. He's in Plano, Texas. Uh, his book is out, The Mountains Are Calling, uh, the publisher, Waterbrook Multnomah. And now, Jared, I want you to fill us in on Mount Carmel, the God well, who is trustworthy. Yeah, you know, I, I have the privilege of taking uh, many trips to Israel through the years, going again later this year. And probably my favorite spot in all of Israel, especially to teach and preach, is Mount Carmel, mm. uh, where Elijah battled the gods. And anybody that's been a Christian for uh, a long amount of time has probably heard this story, familiar with this story. Elijah, the prophet of God, goes up, draws a, draws a line in the sand, and says, how long are you going to waver? How long are you going to limp? If God's God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. And it's just this epic story of God using Elijah to call fire down from heaven and show forth uh, the one true God. And everybody knows that story. But, Pat, what's awesome about this story is before Elijah ever goes to the mountain, he has to go to a place called Cherith and a place called Zarephath. In the Bible, the word Cherith in Hebrew means to be cut down. And in the word Zarephath means to smelt or to melt. And so the angle I take there, Pat, is, you know, we love talking about mountaintop moments, and we love talking about calling fire down. But oftentimes before God uses us on top of the mountain, he has to take us like he did Elijah through being cut down through a time of fire, melting us, purifying our faith. And so I, I kind of use a story from my own life in that chapter and work through what it means uh, to know that yes, God's going to use you on the mountaintop, but you may be in a moment right now, even people listening to us right now could be in a moment of being cut down. And they're thinking, I'm, I'm so far away from the mountaintop. And so my encouragement in that chapter is just keep steady, keep your eyes on Jesus, be faithful, because God's going to use you to call, call the fire down one day. But he's got to take us through these moments of intense uh, hardship sometimes, pain sometimes, to get us to a point where he can use us. Uh, Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest, teaching pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. His book, The Mountains Are Calling, Mount Desolate, Jarrett, the God who is intimate. Uh, what's that about? Well, that's just looking at the life of Jesus, and it's amazing, so many of these mountaintop moments uh, Jesus experienced in his own life. And uh, the Scripture tells us time and time again that Jesus would often break away to a desolate place a desolate mountain, and pray. And that chapter is all about routine. The importance of, if it's important for Jesus, the Son of God, to break away from the crowd, to break away from his disciples, and to spend time alone with God in prayer, how much more important is it for us as followers to spend time alone with God in prayer? God, uh, A.W. Tozer put it like this, God waits to be wanted. And uh, I just uh, talk in that chapter about the importance of routine, the daily discipline of getting alone with God. You know, figuratively speaking, Pat, we can go to a mountaintop every single day when we open up our Bibles and spend time alone with the Lord because you're in the presence of God. His Holy Spirit is in you. The, the living, active Word of God is before you. And so anytime we open up God's Word, figuratively speaking, we can have a mountaintop moment. And so that chapter is just about encouraging people to get away to get alone with the Lord and to spend time with Him. My guest, and uh, we'll be back with him, his name is Jarrett Stevens. Uh, the book is called The Mountains Are Calling. 
and uh, Jared is in uh, North Texas. Uh, just a reminder, uh, my name is Pat Williams, and this is the Saturday Power Hour. Uh, you're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, uh, booming out across the I-4 corridor here in Central Florida. And we always like to remind you that faith uh, comes by hearing. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, uh, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. Uh, Look at the great John Wooden and his summer camps that he ran for many, many years. More with Jarrett Stevens right after these messages. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Hello, this is Earl Mallory, Director of Sales and Marketing for Alliance Community. Alliance Community is a Christ-centered continuing care retirement community located in the heart of beautiful downtown Deland. Our mission is to provide an environment for our residents which allows them to live as independently as they like with guarantees to protect them of the uncertainties surrounding future health care and financial needs. Our community offers independent living, assisted living, rehab services, skilled nursing care, and Alzheimer's dementia care. For more information, visit us online at alliancecommunity.org. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit, 800-786-9300. That's 800-786-9300. 800-786-9300. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin Picorni. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Dr. Jared Stevens is our guest from Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. Uh, we're talking about his book, The Mountains Are Calling, <clears throat> and Jarrett, Mount Eremos is next, the God who is Father. Uh, tell us about that. Well, uh, Mount Eremos, you know, it's interesting uh, to me when you read the Scriptures that Jesus, the, the first recorded sermon that we have from him, the longest recorded sermon we have from him, was not made from the temple in Jerusalem. It wasn't made from a local synagogue that he grew up in or attended but rather it was made on the side of a mountain. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, this chapter, I deal with the fact that God is Father. You know, Jesus taught something very revolutionary to us in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I would venture to say it was probably the most revolutionary in all of the things that he said in the Sermon on the Mount. And that is he addressed God as Father. Uh, that just unheard of in Jesus' day. God was God was distant. He was holy. He was righteous. You didn't address him as father. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he tells these people from Galilee, these uh, predominantly poor peasant Galileans, he says, you know what? You can address God as father, and he's ready to meet your needs, and he teaches them there how to pray. And so I talk about uh, just the fact that God is a loving father in that chapter, that he hasn't forgotten you, uh, that he uh, is longing to be in a relationship with you, and it's just amazing that he taught uh, his disciples how to pray in this first sermon right there on the side of a mountain. Beautiful picture. Now, we, now we've arrived at Mount Hermon, uh, the God who is Jesus. 
Yeah, you know, Mount Hermon is uh, what we know of as the Mount of Transfiguration in the Scriptures. A lot of scholars debate whether it was Mount Hermon or Mount Tabor, and and I chose to go with uh, Mount Hermon. And it's just where Jesus goes up to the mountain. He takes his inner circle, Peter, James, and John with him. And there on the mountain, Pat, we see that who Jesus is on the inside is unveiled and revealed for the very first time on the outside, and his disciples see it. And, uh, you know, this is a great mountain because we've already discussed Elijah the prophet on Mount Carmel. We've discussed Moses on Mount Sinai. Well, both these two men show up at the Mount of Transfiguration there on Mount Hermon. And so uh, you have the lawgiver Moses there. You have the great prophet Elijah there before Jesus, and Peter doesn't know what to do. He just starts talking, you know, foot and mouth disease, and he wants to build an altar and a tent and stay there and worship. But uh, the Bible says that Jesus, uh, when this scene was over, uh, I love the way that uh, Luke's Gospel puts it, that Jesus only was left. And it's just a picture that as great as Moses the lawgiver was, as great as Elijah the prophet was, what we learn on Mount Hermon is that Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. He's greater than those things. He is indeed God, and that's why we can follow him. Now I want you to talk about Mount Olivet, the God who is near. Well, this is a chapter that, to be honest, I wasn't expecting on writing, uh, because, um, you know, when if for those listening to us right now, chances are if you ask them what is the closest time that they've ever been uh, experiencing the presence of the Lord, I would venture to say nine out of ten would probably say it was a downtime. It was a time of breaking. It was a time of hardship. It was a time of trial. And we don't often think of those times as mountaintop moments. We think of those times as valleys or dry times. But, you know, if, if we classify a mountaintop moment as sensing the presence of God, experiencing the nearness of God, hearing His voice in a strong way, the resolve to follow Him being very strong. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 34, 17, 18, that He's near to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are contrite in spirit. And so while we're going through a valley or a dark time, we may not think of it as a mountaintop moment, but looking back at it years later, maybe when we're done with it, and we realize how close we were to the Lord, we kind of see those times as, or we can see them as mountaintop moments, because the nearness of God was so close. And so I take the Garden of Gethsemane, Pat, and I look at Jesus' life, where he's there in the garden, being crushed like, a, like an olive, under an olive press. He's about to be betrayed and denied and handed over to uh, the uh, prosecutors to be ultimately put to death on our behalf, and yet Jesus prays in that moment, not my will be done, but your will be done. And uh, again, traveling to Israel, isn't it interesting that in this Garden of Gethsemane, a low time in Jesus' life where he's strengthened by God in an unbelievable way, but it was a low time. Uh, All of his closest friends had deserted him, again, betrayed and put to death. Uh, The Garden of Gethsemane, interestingly enough, is located on a mountain. And so that's kind of the heart behind the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, Mount Olivet right there uh, in uh, this chapter. Now it's time to talk about Mount Calvary, uh, the God who is love. Well, this is, and to me, this is the peak of all peaks. This is the mountaintop moment of all mountaintops. Jesus uh, goes to Mount Calvary and gives his life uh, for mankind. I mean, what greater love? The Bible says no greater love uh, has uh, someone in this, and they lay down his life for his friends. The, the scripture says that God demonstrated his own love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. And he died on that cross. And there we see the holiness of God meets the justice of God, the sinfulness of man meets the love and grace and mercy and forgiveness of a great and holy God. And it is the peak of all peaks. And so I talk about the power of the cross and what it does for us. And uh, Mount Calvary is probably my favorite chapter to write about just because I'm reminded every time I think about it of my great sin and yet the great love of God uh, who doesn't condemn me but accepts me, gives his life for me, brings me in, showers me with love and affection. And uh, there's no greater mountaintop moment than in my own life when I met Christ at Calvary. And so uh, it's, a, it's a great chapter that I love to dig into and explore. Now, uh, Jared Stevens, he's our guest. The mountain with no name, the God who sins. What's that mean? 
Well, uh, I'd never seen this before in Scripture, Pat. We, you know, uh, this is the beautiful thing about the Word of God when you li- it says it's living and active, and and it is. And I've read the Great Commission over and over and over again. I know Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty could recite it, write it out. But what I never realized is in verse sixteen, the Bible says that He took them to an unnamed mountain in Galilee, and that's where He gave them the Great Commission. And I just think it's so appropriate that he gives this great commission from a mountaintop. I mean, it is a mission from the mountaintop. But essentially what he says is, you're to go into the world and preach the gospel. And so the lesson is we're not to live our life on top of the mountain, but instead we're to come off the mountain and live on mission for Jesus. And uh, we're to bring people up that mountain to experience what we experience, to hear what we hear, but we don't live on the mountaintops of life. Uh, We have to live our life every day, down in the valley, down in the everyday normal routines of life, sharing with people what God taught us and showed us on the mountain. And then uh, you've got a little footnote here, the last mountain, uh, the God who is returning. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? That Jesus, and according to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he ascends from the Mount of Olives and Mount Olivet there in Jerusalem. And Um, Of course, the disciples are standing uh, up looking in the air, and the Bible says that two angels appear and basically say, hey, what are you you looking at? This same God who returned into heaven is going to return in the same way that he went. And according to the prophet Zechariah, chapter 14, the Bible tells us that on the day that Jesus returns and sets up his rule and reign here on this earth, he's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. And so he promises to return from the same mountain that he ascended from. And uh, it's just a motivation for us believers. Peter said, what kind of people ought you to be in light of the fact that Jesus is returning? And he says, you ought to live holy and blameless lives. And so this is a motivation for us as believers is that Jesus is going to return to the mountain one day, and uh, we're going to rule and reign with him. And so in light of that, let's live pure lives. Let's live passionate lives. Let's live on fire for Jesus, sharing with others what he's done in our own heart and life. Jared, where is Mount Arafat in all of this? You know, that's uh, Mount Arafat is interesting. That's where uh, we believe Noah's boat uh, landed, according to the scriptures. And, you know, there's a ton of mountains that we could have covered. I could have covered Mount Zion, of course, which is God's holy mountain, a mm-hmm. uh, number of different uh, mountains uh, in the scripture, uh, but uh, didn't have time to cover them all. Maybe we can do a sequel to this one day and uh, cover some more. So, uh, yeah, a number of different mountains we could have approached, but these were just a few that I uh, felt led to ride on and kind of look deeper at. And Jared, what do you want uh, listeners, what do you want readers to take from your book? What's the bottom line here? Bottom line, Pat, is I want it to be a discipleship tool. I want people uh, to grow in their faith when they read it. And then really, more than anything, is uh, my favorite authors are authors that I read and that, of course, inspire me. But but my favorite ones are those that make me want to spend more time alone with Jesus and make me want to grow in my relationship with Him and open up my Bible and hear from Him. And so I pray that my book can be used in that way, that people will read it, and they'll enjoy it, and they'll be inspired. But it, they'll, it'll, they'll do something in their heart that says, you know what, I want to go be with God. I want to go to the mountain and, and, and spend some time alone with Him and then come back down living on mission for Him. That's my heart and my prayer for the book. Jarrett, tell me about Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano. Yeah, great church. I've had the privilege, Pat, of being on staff here for 18 years Mm. and uh, started as an intern, came right out of college. And uh, God's just been faithful and opened so many doors, been so favorable to me, uh, not only with our leadership team and our pastor, Dr. Graham, but just the people of Prestonwood. And they've really watched me grow up and uh, just been so patient uh, with me as I've prepared some bad sermons, I'm sure. Uh, But um, it is a great church right here in Plano, Texas. Dr. Jack Graham is our pastor and I've been leading here for nearly 30 years. And so it's my privilege to serve uh, by his side and been doing that for the last 18 and really the last 10 is our teaching pastor. So I preach every Saturday night. I lead our intern program and our church planning ministry all over the world. Uh, but the church is uh, just in the heart of Dallas and uh, has a global uh, reach, national reach. And uh, we're just trying to get out of the way and let God do what he can do, uh, what only he can do. And so he's been faithful to do that through the years. But it's a great congregation and a great, great church. I'm honored uh, to serve on the team here.
what is happening in that whole area of North Dallas as far as growth is concerned? What's what's the story? Well, it's unbelievable. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day that gave me some statistics, and we have four to five hundred people a day moving into Dallas Fort Worth. And mm. as you move into North Dallas, uh, up in Prosper, for instance, which is a suburb of uh, you, you know Dallas, and you go Plano, and then you go even further north to Frisco, and further north to Prosper, uh, there's four families a day moving in. Uh, one demographer said you can shoot an arrow anywhere you want from the direction of our North Campus, which is located in Prosper, and said you're going to reach 15 kids. So that's not counting families. That's 15 children. And so the growth is absolutely phenomenal. That's, of course, where uh, Jerry Jones put, uh, you know, uh, Jerry World, as we call it, with headquarters for Dallas. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys is right there in Frisco. And so the growth truly is unbelievable. Uh, Toyota just moved their world headquarters here. And so uh, people are coming from literally all over the world. And so the mission field is ripe. Within a five-mile radius of our church here in Plano, uh, 17,000 people are expected to be moving in here over the course of the next few years. And so the harvest is plentiful, and we're just praying, God, give us grace and favor with them so we can go out and share the love of Jesus with them. Jared, if I am uh, moving in, uh, how do I make a decision? Do I want to sit under Jack Graham or Chuck Swindoll? Or, or, or Tony Evans, or that's the, that's flip Frisco. a coin, right? Flip a coin. Now I'm a little biased uh, because of where I work and who I serve with, and, and Dr. Jack Graham, and getting to hear him preach every single week. So I can't answer that without being biased. But I'm telling you, flip a coin here in Dallas, Texas, because God has really blessed us with a lot of great Bible teachers who love the Lord and churches who want to reach people and share the hope of Christ. It's a great place to live. Yeah, and we got Robert Jeffries downtown, and yeah, TDJ go on and on, is on and on and on, doing his thing, and Ed Young Jr. and uh, I mean, it's just remarkable. Absolutely, Robert um, Robert Morris over Morris. at Gateway. Yeah. yeah, fascinating. What's next for you, Jared? Do you have another book in your pipeline? I do, I do. My next book out is due uh, in 2020, mm. and. What I'm going to do with this one is, and I wasn't planning on doing this, Pat, but God spoke a a verse into my heart uh, just a few uh, uh, weeks ago, and I thought, man, this is it, and I knew I had another book coming out. But basically, it's it's Psalm, uh, and and it's a psalm, and it says that uh, Psalm 68, 4, it says, Sing to God, sing praises to His name, lift up a song to Him who rides through the deserts. Mm. And so uh, just like I took these mountains, I'm going to go back and I'm going to take the deserts in the Bible. Mm. And I just think it's awesome that we've got a God who rides through the deserts, uh, the desert rider, a God who seeks us uh, in our downtimes and our low times. Uh, the deserts represent thirst, represents dryness, represents hopelessness. And yet our God rides through the deserts looking for people that he can pick up, that he can fill, that he can satisfy, that he can quench their thirst. And he's the only God that can do it. So I'm looking forward to that coming out in 2020. Jarrett Stevens has been our guest. We got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org, 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Your story of faith and spiritual growth is an important one. And here at 94.9 FM, AM 950, The Word, we're interested in hearing how this station has made a direct and positive impact on your life. Each day, our station and our host enter your busy world full of responsibilities, challenges, and a desire for personal growth. And every day, it is our wish that what you hear from us positively affects you and your family. It may be an encouraging word on a difficult day that recharges you to successfully fulfill a challenge. Maybe it's a message of healing at just the right time. These and other interactions 
conversations happen regularly, and we would love for you to tell us about it. Here's what we'd want you to do. Visit thewordorlando.com for all the details and type in the keyword story. Record a video message on a camera or a mobile device and share your story with us. And for simply sharing your impact story with us, you'll automatically be eligible to win a grand prize of an Apple iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil. You'll have until October 23rd to share your story. So do it today. Visit thewordorlando.com. That's thewordorlando.com. And use the keyword story for all the details, the contest rules, and to share your video. Hi, welcome to PostNet. How can we help you? Okay, well, I need 2,000 business cards, 5,000 pamphlets, and 35 table signs with a fold. And I need them shipped to Miami by tomorrow. Can you help me? Of course we can. At PostNet, we offer shipping via FedEx, UPS, the U.S. Postal Service, and DHL. And we support small businesses with printing, direct mail, designing custom logos, brochures, and more. That sounds great. Let's do this. PostNet, Altamont Springs at Montgomery and State Road 434. Online at PostNet.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Our guest, uh, Jared Stevens, in that first segment uh, from Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas, talking about his book, The Mountains Are Calling. Uh, Anthony Evans joins us from L.A., one of Christian music's premier male vocalist, songwriter, worship leader. Uh, author of Unexpected Places. The book is out with Thomas Nelson. Anthony, wonderful to catch up with you. I hope you're, hope you're doing well. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, the book is just out, Thoughts in God, Faith, and Finding Your Voice. You are probably well aware of Anthony's father, Dr. Tony Evans, a good friend of mine. And uh, he's got a superstar sister named Priscilla Shirer. Uh, Tell me about the book, Anthony, and what prompted you to put this together with Thomas Nelson. Well, what, what prompted me was actually getting on the phone with <laughs> with one of the publishers there. I, I, I Initially, when they called me, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you, you're meaning to call my dad, because I'm the singer. Like, you, you, if you're talking about a book, you're, you're one, my, my father. You know what I mean? But uh, they heard me speak from a stage at, at an event and said to me, Anthony, we believe that you, as the worship leader, is the tip of the iceberg. We want to know but it's underneath the surface of you because we feel like there's more to the story than what we can see. And um, that encouraged me to go ahead and sit down and, and start writing my experience. And I noticed as I started writing that I've had to um, really be in a place of understanding that God has a specific calling for me growing up in the home of Tony Evans, which is amazing, but having his name and having people expect you to be him created in me a desire for me to find my own path, not in a, not in a, um, rebellious kind of way, but in a way of having to understand that God has a specific plan for me, even though there's so many other things that, that um, are laid out in front of me that people would expect. So I've moved into unexpected places, and God has met me in very unexpected ways. And, um, yeah, when I choose um, courage over comfort, basically, God moves in, in, in extreme ways. What are the pressures of being a preacher's kid, Anthony? You know, it, it varies depending on, I think, the personality of the kid. But for me, the pressure in having my dad's name and um, just being at a, at a church and a ministry that was growing so fast when I was a kid, um, the pressure becomes things that are not, not even verbally said to you. Like, I remember, I remember being at Promise Keepers listening to my dad speak at Texas Stadium. That was like back when it was huge, and there's 65,000 men. Um, showing up to these events, and and they, the audience started to roar when, as my dad, you know, my dad's killer at, at the, you know, bringing the, bringing culminating the the, the, the sermon moment. I remember hearing the crowd roaring, and in this moment, everybody's celebrating. I'm thinking, man, I can never be him. Like I'm not built for that. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, um, so that that was the unspoken pressure. That was one of them, uh, and that was actually the main one. It's just the expectation of from people for me to be my dad. When did you realize you could sing? Oh, you know, the, the, the singing thing, speaking of my dad, he would take credit for all of it because it was later in life. It was around when I was 17 that uh, my family heard me just singing around the house, and my parents were like, wait a minute, did you miss something our whole, this whole life? You know what I mean? So um, it was when I was 17, my parents kind of discovered it, and then my dad 
not, I didn't even know. He recorded me singing and sent it into Liberty University. Dr. Falwell was at the time of the chancellor. Hmm. And they offered me, <laughs> yeah, Liberty offered me a full ride to come and be a part of a PR group that sang for the school. And so, you know, <laughs> that's how I discovered I could sing. And that's how I got home. Because when you get a full ride, that's basically God telling your parents that you're going to that school. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where it all starts to develop. What did your years at Liberty mean to you? Uh, you know, it was a great learning experience. It was, it was the, what it really meant to me is that the lessons I learned at Liberty was that God doesn't have grandkids. You know, it was, it, that was my moment where I was like, whoa, yeah, this is my family, this is my dad, it's, uh, but God wants a specific relationship with me because he has, again, something specific for me. Anthony Evans is our guest. Uh, his book is called Unexpected Places, Thoughts on God, Faith, and Finding Your Voice. Um, I, I do want to go back to your time growing up with your brothers and sisters, Anthony, uh, because all four of you children, are uh, it's just remarkable how you've all turned out. Uh, what did your parents do right in raising you? What can we learn about parenting from Tony and Lois Evans? What my parents did right, well, one, there was no dichotomy between who they were on the stage and who they were at the house. That, that to me, is the, the biggest thing. If you're being raised in a house like, like we're in, or any kind of ministry or Christian home, and your parents are different at home than they are at a church, or are, are when they're out, that will, will make you think everything's fake. You know what I mean? It's, um, so they were amazing at that. My dad was uh, also, um, actually, my dad and my mom, my mom always made sure that we were at the table for dinner. I know that that sounds kind of crazy at this point because my lives were really fast. That sounds a little Brady Bunch-ish. But we were always at the table every night having a moment that connected us where our day ended together. And it, it created in us um, those kind of moments and, and family vacations that we had every year. You know, those, those are the things that my parents did that embedded in us that family is, number one, family is important. And that's the only reason why um, they made sure that they attributed everything that was happening good in our lives to, to God moving and God having a plan and purpose. It was just things that almost were annoying as a kid. You know, as a kid, you're like, I don't want to sit at the table. I want to sit in front of the TV and watch a TV show and just eat a grilled cheese. But my parents, my parents had us sit there and discuss the, the Lord and how he's moving in our lives. And that's, that's some of the things that my parents did, did right. Anthony, I want you to talk about your sister Priscilla, who, who is a... <laughs> has turned into an actress, a marvelous Bible teacher. She's an author. Uh, I can't get over your sister. you got to tell me about her. Uh, Priscilla, you know, growing up, Priscilla just had a big personality. She just talked a whole lot, had a big personality, and now I'm just watching my sister, you know, basically that personality got reined in. She can very focused, you know. Um, it's so funny because when, when I see her now doing her thing, I'm like, I'm reminded of her as a kid just, being ready to do anything and ready to try anything. And, you know, that's, that's how um, the book started with her. The speaking started that way with her not being um, scared to go try, try something new. And the same thing with the acting. You know, War Room was a number one movie, and it was because she just took a chance. Like, she didn't – they had the option of having major actresses play that role, but the directors wanted somebody whose life – this was their life. Like, this role is who she really is. And so – um, they gave Priscilla the opportunity. I know she walked on set the first day and just busted out crying because it was so much pressure because she's like, I don't do this. And this is like not some regular Christian movie. You know what I mean? It was like a full production, and there's hundreds of people looking at her like, here we go. <laughs> so, But she stepped in, in, into that, um, and she obviously did a, did a great job. And So I'm, I'm very proud of her. She's taught me the art of focus and saying no because um, when you say no, that means you're saying yes to something else. So that... She has said no to a lot of opportunities that are outside of the direction she wants to go, even if they look great on the outside, and it has focused her and propelled her forward in, in, in her specific calling. Uh, tell me about how your singing career works, Anthony. Where are, are you traveling a lot? Where are you singing? <laughs> how, how does it all come together? Yes, I, I am. Um, I have... Eight albums out. So, the, and then the last one was a, uh, a number one Billboard album, which I'm very proud proud of. You know, just to have that that moment. You know, those moments come and go, but I, I'm glad that that happened. And I am in 
a different church or venue every weekend of my every, every weekend of my life. I do about sixty to eighty events a year. Really? I, I do, yeah, I lead all the worship at my um, sister's event and my father's event. So that is um. So there's the singing side of me that's always gone, and there's a the production side of me because I have a production company called Sherman James Productions, and we that company puts together all of my family's events. So. I'm busy behind the scenes and busy on the stage every week, uh, every weekend of my life, and sometimes twice a week. <laughs> How did you end up in L.A.? Is that important? Um, yeah, you know what? I got an opportunity to, uh, six years ago. I got a phone call from a, a new show on NBC called The Voice, and I uh, was, uh, you know, asked to come in to sing for some folks, and, and ended up uh, being asked to be on the first season. Couldn't do it, um, and they were like, "What? This show's huge! It's going to be huge!" And it, it almost sounded like I was talking to a used car salesman because they were pumping the show up so big. Um, but then I watched it and was like, oh, they weren't lying. But I couldn't do it. They didn't understand that I'm a worship leader. I have, I have a job. Like I have, I have a, something that I do all the time. So um, I, I, anyway, the second season came around. I got that phone call. And I came to L.A. for supposed to be three, two or three months. And um, immediately after I got off The Voice, which was an amazing experience in and of itself, taught me a lot of lessons, I got asked by one of the coaches on the show to work for him for a few months, and that mm. was six years ago. I've been here ever since doing things outside of the, I believe that my ability and our abilities as, as a church, our talent and everything, were not just made for the inside of the four walls. We are not salt of the shaker, we're salt of the earth, you know? So I, this is my first opportunity to be outside of Christendom, and I now in addition to leading worship and being on the road a lot, every every week of my life, I'm doing some project here in LA with TV and film, and and that's all because of that's all because of the voice. Honestly, let me taking a chance. What does it take to be a worship leader, Anthony? What what's the skill here? What's the story? When it comes when it comes to being a worship leader, what it takes is the opposite of an entertainer. Like you need to be great at your craft and great. Um, you know, excellent, but what you have to do as a worship leader is to make sure that you understand that you aren't the star of the show. Like, this isn't about people people's attention being drawn to you. Like, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's literally a setting of the table so that you can get out of the way and a meal can be served. That's, that's the difference, because a lot of people mistake worship leading, especially now that it's really commercial, and, it, you know, it, it quote-unquote sells well, Mistake, um, mistake worship leading for, for this is my art, this is, this is uh, about what I do, and uh, it doesn't stop there. It is about you being an artist and creative, but it doesn't stop there. It's about you setting the table so that God can feed his kids, basically. You get them ready and excited to be at the table, and that, that to me is what defines worship leading. Can you talk to us about your love for life? Yeah, you know, my... my my love for life wasn't wasn't always there, to be honest. Uh, I, in the book, I talk about some times where I've gone through some pretty heavy moments, and I used to, um, for the sake of making everybody happy, I used to keep all my heaviness on the inside, and that is what that's what made me not love life was basically keeping a lot of things in. What what drove me to loving life was one, getting closer to God, but two, being honest, vulnerable, and transparent about what I was going through. There was a time in my life where I was literally. Depressed, like literally depressed, but getting on the stage and talk, singing about how faithful God is in my life, and that uh, that dichotomy made me feel crazy. My love, my love for life started when I got honest with the people around me. When I started to go to counseling and, and I could really figure out ways to deal with with things that were going on inside of me. Um, you know, um, there's a bunch of different moments I talk about in in, in the book that are um, like explain explain what I'm saying right now in in, in detail, but. My love for life came when I realized that God can take all of my messes and somehow make them into miracles. That is what started to get me to the point of loving, loving my life. What does it mean to you after belting out a song and a, a, a roaring standing ovation takes place? Uh, what, what goes through your mind? Um, what goes through my mind is I, sometimes I can't believe that this is what I get to do. I think that because I didn't know that I was going to be a singer. A lot of people grow up wanting to be one, and that wasn't my, my, my thing. So a lot of times when that happens, it almost feels like this is totally a calling. This is, this is a calling because this is not what I was working on being. You know, that, that's literally what it feels like. It also, you know, um, it's, 
it's it's good to see that you're going in the right direction as it relates to connecting to an audience, you know, because that that's kind of what, not kind of, that's what the whole purpose is of leading worship. So that's, I'm uh, honored when when that happens. I'm, I'm, I'm honored, but I don't consider it to be like, listen, look at how good I was. That's, that's, that's kind of far-fetched because I know that this wasn't what I wanted to do and that this is kind of a miraculous moment. Anthony Evans is our guest, a gospel singer, worship leader, no less, and now an author, Unexpected Places, is the name of the book. Thomas Nelson is the publisher in uh, in Nashville. Uh, we've got another segment with Anthony, uh, so stay with us. Just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. And just a reminder, faith comes by hearing. Back after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. An exciting new book from Regnery looks at the power of love and intimacy from a godly perspective. It's called Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. Sex is powerful. Just saying the word can stir up all kinds of emotions inside people. Maybe it's a positive emotion for you or a hurtful, shameful, confusing one. It's no wonder we humans struggle to understand its meaning and purpose. Hi, I'm Nancy Houston, a sex therapist, leadership coach, and licensed professional counselor. After counseling hundreds of clients about the topic of intimacy, I decided to write Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Love and Sex is filled with life-changing, compelling stories to help us all reconnect to love and is biblically based on the truths of God's Word. Get your copy now of best-selling author Nancy Houston's compelling new book, Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. How much do you spend on your pest control each year? $200, $300, or even $500 or more? What if I said you could spend less than $25 a year, even less with promo code RADIO20? Then listen up. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, and yes, it is possible to read your home or business of unwanted pests for less than $25 per year. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. Our bestseller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. For just a one-time cost of only $249, even less with promo code RADIO20, you'll be pest-free for years to come. Log on to gopestfree.com today. Use promo code RADIO20 and start driving those pests away. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code RADIO20. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Anthony Evans is with us uh, from Los Angeles. His new book is out, Unexpected Places. Uh, By the way, Anthony, what what do your mom and dad think of this book? You know what? I made sure that they got to read it it before anybody else did it. They were actually very proud proud of it, proud of me, and, and that, 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 you know, no matter how old you are, it makes you feel good. <laughs> uh, did you realize or did you feel that you were a writer? Um, no, I didn't initially feel like I was a writer. You know, as, as a songwriter, you need to write something that's about three and a half minutes and that rhymes. Uh-huh. A book, book writer, I can barely focus, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an ADD kid. Like, every couple minutes, my mind is like, whoa. Like, I, I, I bounce around all the time. So I told the publishers, man, I can't barely read a whole book much less sit down and write one. But I, I chose, I said, listen, I'll write this book on one condition, and that is like short, like micro chapters, chapters that somebody like me would enjoy because you can sit down and seven minutes later be done and move on to another thought. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I didn't think I was a writer, but, but uh, this process was really great. And special thanks to, to Jamie Blaine, who helped me get my thoughts in, in order. Um, they introduced me to a guy who just understood me, and, and he helped to get my thoughts together. <laughs> Anthony, here is a key statement from your book, and I want you to comment on it. Even in my darkest moments, I came to realize I can bring God the crazy, messed up pieces of my life and trust Him to turn it into something that people will be drawn to. 
something worthwhile, something that would convince you that he wants to do the same for you, unquote. Uh, can you expand yeah. on? Can you expand on that? Yeah, I, mean, I was mentioning a little bit earlier that I, I had a moment where I thought that I used to think I had to get myself all together and then go to God. That's what I thought for some odd reason, um, and that that made me miserable. Like trying to trying to be perfect made made me miserable, and so um, I used to not say what was going on, and that to me is the same as going to the doctor's office and not telling him what what's wrong. What the symptoms are what so he's just looking at you like where do i start if you're not going to tell me what's wrong like i have every tool and every and, and all the knowledge in, in me to help you but you have to tell me where you are and so that um that happened in my relationship with god i started to tell him where i was and he started to hand me prescriptions to, to get me better you know what i mean his like god and i mean that is a proverbial way like god just hand me solutions and like anthony i want you to be honest with me and i um you know, I was reminded of, of how obedience works when it comes to being honest. Uh, when I was on a plane, as, as random as this is, I was on a plane. I fly all the time. I've flown like 3 million miles in my whole career, so it's just a lot. And I was, wasn't putting my computer up and buckling my seatbelt in a, in a fast manner because I was just always fly. <laughs> and I just wanted to finish my thought on, on my computer there. I had, I had the flight attendant come to me for like a certain time and say, Anthony, uh, Mr. Evans, I think she said, she said that you have asked us to take you to a destination. But until you do these things that seem inconsequential to you, like a seatbelt on a computer, we can't take you or everybody that's with you to the destination that you ask us to take you to. Oh, my. So we need you to, I mean, she was giving me this whole lesson, but I thought, in my heart, I thought, how many times has God asked me to do something that is seemingly inconsequential and doesn't seem even tied to me taking off, like a seatbelt isn't tied to the engine. Like, you don't need to, you don't have to buckle it for the thing to go, but... That is what they. That is what they asked you to do. So I am. I was moved in that moment to think about the times where I have asked God to take me somewhere, but I have not done the seemingly inconsequential things that He's asking me to do. That will be me. That will lead to me taking off and everybody that's with me taking off. So that is um, kind of the encapsulated um, version of, of what I started to do that allowed me to take off and enjoy my relationship with the Lord and. Uh, and, and enjoy and enjoy life on a, on a deeper level. Anthony, I'm chuckling a little bit as you told that story about that flight attendant. It reminds me of your father, who, <laughs> who, who, who can look over at this empty chair here in the studio uh, and yeah. come and come up with some sort of a story uh, that that uh, tells a story. Uh, yeah, and you, it, lo- it looks it looks like you got a little bit of that in you. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're called sermon illustrations, and uh, it's amazing how Tony Evans can can find them in any little crack of life, and uh, and then use it, which 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 reminds me, Anthony, um, the world is not made up of atoms; it's made up of stories. Uh, Do you agree with that? I, I do. I do agree with that. And uh, they end up in songs, or they end up in books, uh, they end up in speeches, because we're all hardwired to retain stories, uh, mm-hmm. not pa- not powerpoints. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Thank goodness. I want you to uh, comment on this, if you would, Anthony. The vast differences between what the world teaches us to value and how God values us. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts initially on that, it, it makes me think back to a time in my life where I was chasing what the world values and miserable. <laughs> I, I, I've been to that again in, in unexpected places. I was miserable chasing what the world values, and I had to redefine what success is, because what the world values is, number one this, number one that, I made this much money. I acquired what, Especially what we value here in America, but one thing that... Um, came to the front of my mind after chasing and working so hard is that you cannot then go write a check for peace. So I had to redefine what success was to me because success is not attaining things, especially if you're compromising your peace because you can't go pay for peace. And so I um, have had to reset my mind for, for, for what success is, even though we live in this culture. Success for me is am I doing what I'm called to do and am I at peace on the inside? Um, and that is my ultimate. That that is my ultimate right right now. Um, and so uh, that has led me to um, again 
enjoying enjoying where I am in, in my journey. Anthony, do you have a good word or a statement you could share with people who might be struggling with depression and doubt? Yeah, I, I do. I, I really, I really do believe a lot of times it's it's huge, and just reading a Bible verse is not enough. I think that. Um, and I, I dare say that because at times that was my experience. And some people would be like, what do you mean? The Bible's enough. But I believe that God has given us his word, but then he's also said things in his word like there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. There is wisdom for you to go out and for you to find trustworthy people because not everybody is. And do not be afraid to tell your story and start from a place of giving, giving God the raw materials to build something new and fresh. But also I would say, when you're dealing with that, I'm, I'm a big HGTV watcher for some odd reason. It's become like a favorite channel of mine. I just keep on all the time. Um, but they, I noticed the common thread in, in, the, in every show they have on that, on that channel, every show, from, from the 12, 12 midnight to, to the next, to 24 hours later, every show, there is a demolition before there's a renovation. And a lot of us allow the demolition times in our life. We don't look at the fact that things have to be torn out for God to put something new there. We're just thinking, oh my God, my life is being torn up. I can't believe this is happening. And it allow, we allow us to take, it, take us down to a dark place where we, sometimes we stop in the middle of our renovation and don't continue the, pro, the progression of moving forward, knowing that God will be faithful to finish what he started. And that is, he will always be faithful to renovate what you feel like is being demolished in your life. So um, those couple things have helped me. The hope of knowing that God's going to do what he promised and the, the Choosing again, faith over fear, or courage over comfort, and moving out into a place of getting wise counsel um, and being honest about where you are. Anthony, have you ever sensed that there might be a calling for you to preach? You know what? I've, I've heard people say it, and I, I, um, I'm open to it more now than, than, than before. I just, I'm not as scholastic as my dad. See, the issue is, is I look at <laughs> Being my father's son is literally feels like being a spiritual Michael Jordan son. And people looking at me like, why can't you dunk from the free throw line? Like, mm. you're his kid, so dunk from the free throw line. My dad, spiritually and preaching-wise, can dunk from the free throw line. So now that I have realized that, Anthony, not everybody's supposed to be doing that. And if it is magnificent, but there are other people who have different <laughs> attributes that are actually just as impressive. Now I'm actually more willing to to do that. It would be a a, a different style because I'm not as well studied as him. It'd be like, yo, this is what's going on in life. Let's open our Bibles and talk about it. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but, but yeah, I've actually, I've actually thought about it as I've got, as I've gotten older. Anthony Evans has been our guest. His book is out with Thomas Nelson, Unexpected Places. Uh, we've got a wrap up right after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM. And AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Are your credit cards maxed out? Do you owe more than $10,000? Are you juggling your bills only making minimum payments? Credit card companies are playing a dirty trick on you. They want you to think you must pay it all back, and that's simply not true. Credit card companies hate it when we expose their secrets. In fact, there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. National Debt Relief offers programs that help you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $1 billion of debt. National Debt Relief has earned an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They're also the number one rated debt relief program by top consumer reviews and top 10 reviews. Don't declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. Settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Call National Debt Relief now at 800-645-1660. 800-645-1660. 800-645-1660. You're listening to The Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us here for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Dr. Jarrett Stevens, our guest in the first segment, uh, talking about his new book, The Mountains Are Calling. And then Anthony Evans joined us from Los Angeles. Uh, His new book is out uh, with Thomas Nelson. It's called Unexpected Places. Uh, Two interesting guests. And I'm glad that you could plug in with us. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. 
Uh, the Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, my most recent book is out. It's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. Uh, we look at the great John Wooden uh, through the many years of summer camps that he ran in the L.A. area. So much to learn from the life of John Wooden. That book is out with Ravel and uh, Amazon, always a great way to order books. Uh, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.